SEJ Summit 2016 is coming to Santa Monica, Chicago, and New York City. With a focus on actionable marketing for SEOs by SEOs, SEJ Summit is a can't miss event. Get $50 off your ticket now by using the code SEJNerd. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com slash SEJ Summit 2016. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my bottom? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Marketing Nerds. My name is Kelsey Jones. I'm the executive editor at Search Engine Journal, and I'm happy to be joined here today with Dave Snyder. He's the CEO of Copy Press. Dave, thanks so much for joining me. Yep, no problem. So, uh, something I wanted to talk to you about today was kind of editorial and content strategy because Search Engine Journal did their first official um, editorial calendar that we built as a team to kind of outline, um, you know, what topics we're going to cover each month, uh, you know, based on analytics or trends for the months. And so we found that um, the topics we've chosen and, you know, assigned to writers has gotten two to three times the views as our other posts. And so I wanted to kind of get your feedback on how to convince maybe clients or if our listeners are working at a publisher or a large company, how to convince them that editorial calendars are, you know, a must do and planning goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, I think we should be at a point where it's uh, it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. Um, but I still think we have bleed through from the days when it was kind of like, all right, we just need to put blog posts on a blog. Um, <laughs> that was the the basic strategy. Um, the reality today is that really well-researched, thought-out content that has a plan does well. And the only way to do that type of content is to plan it well ahead of time. Um, the other thing, too, is creating content that feeds off of each other, especially for, you know, if you're a publisher, for sure, you have like your niche, right? Mm-hmm. Your brand on top of that, um, all of your content should kind of be focused in one area. And so what I mean by that is, you know, copy press, we have a really big push right now to focus our brand on digital media stuff we do, infographics, mm-hmm. whatnot, because for some reason with our brand, well, for obvious reasons, because our name has the word copy and it, people only think of about us on the copy side. But, you know, our editorial calendar for the first six months is very much focused around digital media, getting people to understand topics around digital media, but also how do we pull those readers into our sales funnel, right? Mm-hmm. And big publishers is the same thing. It's like, hey, where are we getting the most valuable views um, that we can sell advertising around, right? Um, how do we construct our editorial calendar to, to really focus on those readers and then create thoughtful pieces that are actually going to gain traffic. I don't think, and it's funny because SEJ, for, for, for a long time, uh, since I know the history of it, like it was a little bit more of the reactive side of, of Lauren could wake up in the morning, see what was kind of trending mm-hmm. right in the news, and then be like, all right, like, we'll put something out around this. Um, and, you know, the space is so uh, filled with other publishers now, like it 
the thought-provoking content that goes around different times of year and things like that, I think, is, is what's needed. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it was really surprising to me that we didn't have an editorial calendar. But I think, you know, like you said, I think, you know, SCJ kind of grew because we were reactive and we started in the past couple of years, we started getting really high quality contributors and focusing on quality. So then I felt like this year, you know, 2016, okay, we need to kind of harness this talent that we have now and all these great writers and make sure that the content they're writing is going to be what gets, you know, traffic and what's going to lead that engagement, whether that's social shares, time on site, um, comments, things like that. And so, you know, I'm learning now it's not enough to have high quality writers and even high quality content. You have to take it a step further and plan out that content because that's going to take you to the next level. Yeah, I mean, the other issue you run into is uh, tonality, right? And I think in the the lowest days at SEJ when... um, when I was still involved, the biggest issue we had was there were so many writers writing without an editorial calendar that they were all writing on topics they wanted and without a, without a tonal uh, construct that made sense. So one of the things I know you guys have done is create a style guide, right? Like yep. this is what SEJ is now. Um, and the next step from that style guide is that editorial calendar. Okay, not only is this what SEJ is now, but here is the basic guiding concept for the next few months um, and I don't think you get great publishers like Vice or Vox or some of these other ones if they don't have that thing that says hey um, this is who we are generally but also here are some of the topics we're going to be covering right now mm-hmm. um, and to make sure they align with what their readers are looking for like there's no way that there's a major publication right now that covers politics that doesn't have all of the primary stuff aligned yeah, good right? point letting everybody just write whatever the hell they want um and so i think uh you know it's a, it's a similar thing for any big publication it's just like hey this is a, a tonal issue as well do these ideas fit within what we're trying to be as a publication exactly well and i think it might just be in marketing i mean i'm sure other industries have this problem too but a lot of the content we do on scj when it comes to news is breaking content so you can't really plan for that You know, like you can't plan for a new announcement from Google if you didn't know ahead of time that it was going to happen. How do you think that uh, publishers or people who are running a blog can fit that into the editorial calendar? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the first thing I would say is don't force it into your editorial calendar. And so, you know, a brand covering news, unless it's industry specific or something that they really have uh, an impassioned battle in, um, sometimes it doesn't fit, right? And so mm. a good example right now is um, I'm pretty passionate about the uh, the change with ads and the four-pack at the top mm-hmm. of, and the implications that that has on our industry as a whole. Um, but I'm not going to write about that on copy press. You know, that's a huge shift, but it, it's a tonal change from copy press, which is mostly content marketing, content focused, right? Gotcha. Um, and so I think if there's a topic, right? And so on the flip side, if, if, if it's Bruce Clay's corporate blog, I would totally write about that topic um, because his customer base and the people that are looking for his services are going to be interested in what he has to say about that. And so I think the idea that 
well, we're just covered news to covered news. I think it need, you need to make sure, all right, does this fit in with what we are doing with this publication, right? Uh, and that always backs out the KPIs. Like, what are we trying to achieve here? Because traffic for traffic's sake, unless you're a publisher, doesn't have a value. Um, and even now with publishers, right? Like you guys are looking for higher value traffic to increase your, you know, CPM charges or whatever, your, however you're monetizing. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, for publishers, you need to be able to mix the, the content that's newsworthy, right? Like how do we jump on these trends, but also measure those out with features that are high value? Um, because I think there was a time with SEJ and I've seen it with other publications where you get too news heavy, right? Mm -hmm. And that seems to really limit um, your evergreen content value, right? Like, I mean, okay, four pack is here and then the four pack could be gone tomorrow. That content no longer has any real value. Well, it gave us a bump for a couple of days, but I mean, having those evergreen pieces to weigh everything out is important. Yeah, we were just talking about that on, I had a call right before this recording with you, and we were talking about, um, you know, the news story about Google removing the right sidebar ads was huge for us. I mean, I think it has now almost 30,000 views. So we were just talking about how can we take that news and turn it into the more I don't know if evergreen is the right word, but longer content that's more in depth that people are looking for after a big change. Yeah, I mean, so, I think yeah. a, a great idea for you guys would be to start um, to do one of those like round table, uh, like where you send questions out to experts, like 20 experts weigh in on. Yeah, we've done that before. I think we did that when the LinkedIn publishing platform first went live. Yeah, I mean, that stuff always does well and serves as a great resource for mm -hmm. people. Um, and if you phrase it like, hey, what's the, the current status and what do you think is going to happen in the future? Um, like now you have a piece of content that can be pretty evergreen. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I really want to know what other search people are, are thinking about it because it doesn't seem like a lot of people outside of uh, Twitter have been commenting on it. It might be, I mean, I think it's always the thing with Google. People are afraid of Google <laughs> to comment on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great way. Um, all the roundups we've done have done really well for us traffic-wise and share-wise. Um, sometimes Matt Southern, he's our lead news writer, what he'll do too is he'll write a, whenever big news happens, he'll write a follow-up post and include any tweets that other people, if, it's, if it has been talked about a lot on Twitter, he'll embed some tweets from experts of what of their input. And I, and I think people really like that because it's real time, um, insight from other experts. And sometimes, you know, if you try to do a roundup and you're not getting the feedback you want, that might be another way to get insight from experts as well is social media and embedding Facebook posts or tweets. Yep. For sure. I, I always look when there's a big event, like, um, when uh, Steph Curry the other night hit his 35 foot jumper to win. Oh yeah, game. that was insane. I watched that. I immediately looked online to see, uh, find a roundup post of what other NBA players had said about the shot, right? Rather than go and search through a bunch of Twitter stuff, like I always go and try to find those posts. Um, so I think, yeah, those are hugely valuable. Yeah. And that's something, that's a tactic that I think any industry could capitalize on whenever there's a big change too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like having you know, with the roundup posts, you have to have relationships with those people. With exactly. Those, 
roundups of the Twitter stuff, you don't have to have the relationships. You can still leverage their um, names without necessarily having to have a relationship to go and approach them about the topic. Exactly. And I'm always afraid that I'm going to, you know, over ask of people. Like, I feel like you think I'm cool now, but if every week I was asking you to do a roundup post, you'd probably be like, okay, well, Kelsey is not that cool and she's using me. You know, that's how I would feel. I just wouldn't respond to it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's right. That's what I do. If somebody just keeps asking me and asking me, I'll either say, you know, I just can't help you right now or just don't answer. I think it's, it's a quid pro quo thing, right? So actually, mm -hmm. on this topic, I've gotten a several uh, people that have asked me to do kind of roundup posts in the last month or so, and uh, I've not responded to them. Not because I'm a jerk, but because <laughs> um, I'm like, well, you know, we've never done anything together. Um, and so I think for publishers, one of the things to look at is like, you know, how can you incentivize the action for these posts? And so maybe you give before you take. And so one of the things, we have an ongoing relationship, like you've, you've syndicated our content before. Mm -hmm. right? And so I know if I have a really good piece, um, like I think the last one we did was the cognitive science one. Yeah, that um, one was good. That I pushed to you and like that one did really well, I know on Twitter, once you guys put it out there. And so, you know, both parties are getting things. Like, so when you ask me for something, I'm like, all right, I know like this is something I can get. And so I think things that go a long way also when you're planning your editorial calendars, like, all right, if I'm going to be asking people for roundups over the next six months, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together a piece of content where I'm, I'm labeling the top 30 experts in this field, right? One of those ego bait kind of pieces. Mm -hmm. Those things always do well. They're link drivers, but also now you, hey, I've, I've mentioned you in our 30, top 30, blah, blah, blah. I was hoping to use that same group of people to do this round robin kind of thing. Um, now you've given them something, given them a reason to respond to you rather than just, Hey, will you respond to this? Yeah, I agree. It's I think it's more about building relationships versus what can I get out of this person now that I've been introduced to them. <laughs> so um, kind of going back to the editorial calendar thing, um, as far as planning, one thing that I came across a lot when I was doing research for building SCJs is a lot of people aren't sure how far to plan in advance. So for us, we plan one to two months in advance, but I've seen some examples where people plan the whole year. What, it, what w would you recommend? Um, so we, I think we plan, we plan topically for the year. Like even when we're working with customers, it's like, all right, what's, what are the KPIs for the year? Most of them are getting their marketing budgets for the entire year. Mm -hmm. So what are the KPIs for the year? What, what, what does that mean in terms of overall content focus? So going back to the copy press example, we know digital media is our focus for the year from an editorial standpoint. So most mm -hmm. of our white papers will be around that. A lot of the different collateral outside of the blog posts will be around that. Um, and then we start to plan probably, I mean, we're also, I mean, we're looking at a quarterly kind of plan, but like an actualized plan is probably a month to two months in terms of ideation, right? Like, so I think that's kind of the thing to lay out to is what does an editorial calendar look like? Uh, and for me, an editorial calendar says, okay, like 12 months out, like this is my plan for the year. Here are my KPIs I'm trying to hit. Um, and then th there's the broader editorial calendar. Okay, what are, what's our cadence, right? Like how many feature pieces are we publishing a week? How many news pieces are we publishing a week? Right, because it, it would be weird if you one week, five news pieces, the next week, five feature pieces, mm -hmm. but there's no like mix and match, right? 
how many white papers are we distributing per quarter, right? Getting that kind of calendar down and then going on a month to two month basis of, all right, what's the ideation for to fill that calendar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably what you guys are looking at. You probably know, okay, we, every day we want to publish this many news, this many features. Exactly. Two month is the ideation, but you know, I think a lot of people just jump in with the editorial calendar like, all right, ideation. It's like, no, you need to know your KPIs, the cadence of posts that you want to do, and then be willing to change that as well once you start to get traffic um, data back, right? Like, oh, our, our, our articles are doing way better. Or, you know what, news articles really aren't doing much of anything. Let's, you know, switch this up going forward um, and then, you know, prioritize from there. Exactly. I think I think you're exactly right. People put the what is it? The cart before the horse or whatever that saying is. I think they're like, okay, if we just come up with awesome ideas and write them, our blog is going to be amazing. But, you know, what I've learned in this in my editor position at SCJ is it doesn't always work like that. You can have the best title or the best topic, but if the title's wrong, if it doesn't go the right time of day, if, they're, if it's about Instagram and we already had, you know, two Instagram posts that week, you know, it's tons of factors go into a post popularity besides its quality. And so I think you're exactly right. You have to continuously tweak um, and make sure that it's planned out. It is changing according to, like you said, if your KPIs change um, or based on the data or feedback that you get. And it's a constantly evolving process. So I agree that, you know, you should have goals for the year, but not planning, you know, only planning one or two months in advance um, is probably going to help you, you know, stay the course throughout the year. Right, for sure. So another thing I wanted to ask you, which we haven't had problems with really at SCJ, but I could see our audience maybe having problems is setting boundaries. So, you know, like, let's say you run the blog for a company and, you know, they're used to saying, you know, write a blog post about this, or, you know, we, we haven't gotten enough sales for the quarter. We want another blog post on the blog. How do you push back or kind of work with other departments to kind of keep that, you know, editorial content strategy intact and make sure that you're staying the course when it comes to all the planning you've done. Yeah, I think that's why uh, getting KPIs from the outset is important, right? Um, so that will be your baseline for everything that you do. So when you're creating the editorial calendar, you start with KPIs, and then as you're adjusting it, you utilize the metrics to back those KPIs. So traffic, right? Like, all right, we just, we're just interested in paid use because we're a publisher. Um, what's our our KPI, what's our main goal for the year? Well, we want to hit, you know, let's just like 10,000 page views, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to hit 10,000 page views and we're into the third quarter and we've only hit 1,000. All right, let's look back at the content that's done well and like adjust the calendar based on that um, specific need. I think where you get into an issue with brands is um, their KPIs are probably going to be more sales focused in some ways, especially B2B, right? Like you're talking yeah. about lead gen specific content. Um, and still like the KPIs, all right, well, how many sales are you looking to create from this? And then from the strategist side, you kind of be like, all right, well, you know, a blog post is probably going to get you a sale, period. What are you doing from that blog post? Like, are you 
getting them to sign up for some kind of collateral and then putting them into a lead uh, nurturing program, right? Yeah. Um, and so kind of walking that out, uh, that's what we do a lot of as well. It's like, all right, your, your editorial calendar isn't just what's going up on the site, but how are you nurturing whatever you're getting from the site into whatever action you want? Um, I mean, same for you guys, right? Like, so you got someone to the site one time, you're going to want them to come back. You're getting them to sign up for the newsletters, getting them to sign up for email lists. So that way you can continue to get back that same traffic. Um, I think everybody needs to be thinking about those strategies of, you know, what, what are the KPIs? How do we measure them? How do we back them out? And then how do we stay the course on keeping with those? Or if we need to change, like make it all about those KPIs. Don't change KPIs midway, right? So the sales yeah. guys come in and they're like, well, we're not getting enough leads. Be like, well, in the beginning, you guys said it was about LinkedIn traffic. And just because we hit that doesn't mean we're going to change our tactic all of a sudden. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, too, you need to look at just because content's on the site doesn't mean it's working. So, like, an example, um, we have a writer's newsletter that we send just to the writers every month. And we give topics they can claim, any news or changes to process. While we had been adding a blurb about our latest webinar and our latest podcast. And Janice, who is our CEO and publisher, she emailed me and she was like, is anyone really clicking on these? Because I feel like the newsletter is just for the writers and we shouldn't be promoting, you know, our stuff on there. So I went through and looked at the links to see, you know, if they'd been clicked on and no one had ever clicked on those links. And so I know email is kind of not the same as blogs, but it brings up a good point. Like just because, you know, a, I, I feel like a salesperson would think, okay, if we get another blog post about this new product, that's going to help drum up sales. Well, that's not necessarily all, you know, the case. Even though, you know, the content's there, it doesn't mean anyone's going to be interacting with it or engaging um, with it. Yeah, I think, and what you said, like, uh, the newsletter is not blogs, but your editorial calendar, I think this is one of the biggest mistakes is that, People compartmentalize the editorial calendar and they'd be like, all right, like, here's our publishing portal, but that's going to be different than our social stuff, right? And that's going to be different than our newsletter, and that's going to be different than our podcast. Mm -hmm. It's not, right? Like, that's true. Yeah. One editorial calendar, like, all right, we're going to publish this stuff today. How are we going to be tweeting this out? How are we going to be sharing on Instagram? Is the podcast this week going to tie to these same topics that we're talking about? Uh, how are what white paper are we going to do this month that can really kind of speaks to the same audience that we are writing all of this content for? How are we going to structure our newsletters to get more people to get the white paper down? Um, and so like at copy press, we have individuals that manage each of those channels, but they're all part of a cohesive editorial calendar and marketing strategy where it's like, all right, all of this should be on the same tonal or even topic. And then, Here's what we're looking to accomplish, and you guys work together, right? Yep. Um, and, and the companies I see do things really well, those channel-specific boundaries are, are breaking down more and more and more. Um, and the companies I see do things poorly, those walls remain. Like, I'll talk to a company that they're doing great content. They're like, you know, it's really hard for us to get our social team to share. It's like, how does that exist still? <laughs> like, where? You guys <laughs> yeah, are it's a, a weird disconnect. Social team just like, we don't care about this. Um, it's it's bizarre, and so I think you know when when you talk editorial calendar, you, 
you're not just talking portal. You're talking everything around that portal. I mean, and if you're doing it right, right? And if you're a small company or a pub, I think publishers are the best example because there's not a publisher around that doesn't approach the editorial calendar like that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not just the articles in the news. It's the newsletter. It's the podcast. It's the social media. So we know when we publish this piece, we're going to tweet it out this many times. And this is kind of how we're going to structure things and so brands need to follow suit with how publishers do it since they do it correctly yeah i agree i one thing we do is um every week i will send caitlin who is our social producer and then aki um is one of our editors that helps i'll send them a list of the articles that i know will do well on social that were published in the last few days And then we'll work on the messaging and the strategy and what channels they should be specifically posting on if I think, you know, it'll be better for Facebook over something else. And that has really helped us with engagement because, you know, even though Caitlin and Aki are involved in SCJ, they're not SEOs. So it it really helps to have, you know, the editorial team and the social team work together to figure out, um, okay, I know that our audience will love this piece on HTTP2 or whatever. Um, And that's really worked for us is to get that communication going and make sure it's a regular thing that both sides can come to expect throughout the week. So uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you before we kind of close out for the day, um, do you think that content strategy and planning is different across, you know, industry or size of the company? Or do you think that there's, you know, key metrics or strategies that are kind of the same, no matter what your focus is? Yeah, I think things are always going to be different. Uh, Starting off with size of the company, biggest tip I would have is don't bite off more than you can chew. Um, So when you're making your content strategy, really think about what you can actually get done. Um, And then delegate people to actually do that. If Copy Press's content strategy had to revolve around me and me posting on certain times, they all realize that's not possible. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't give me deadlines to do stuff and it doesn't get done <laughs> when it's supposed to get done. <laughs> um, you really need to know, like, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and what are the resources you have. Um, on the same token, if you're a huge company, realizing, like, you shouldn't be farming out content. Every, there was this whole concept a while ago, like, you know, you're an engineer involved with content. Sure, if they're a content creator, either that or you're just exacerbating the situation. Um, because if they're not a content creator, you're just having them do a chore that they're unhappy about. Um, Good point. So, like, getting buy-in, I think, is a big deal. Like, it's cool to have an editor, for sure, like, share stuff. Like, we have a guy who does um, digital media Josh, who writes really great posts, but he wants to do those, right? And so mm-hmm. it's the content. Um, the other thing is that B2B and B2C companies are going to be wildly different in terms of what they're trying to do, right? Um, for a B2C company, pure branding um, and dropping, dropping retargeting pixels, things like that, like just traffic to get traffic might be a valuable play. For a B2B company, it's highly unlikely that that's the case. And so how you create content for those two different things is going to be wildly different. So, you know, creating your editorial calendar around listicles and link baity type stuff might work for B2C. And I've seen people take that same strategy going into B2B work. And there's, you know, invariably a fall off, right? Where from my perspective, meatier, more resourceful content is always a better play for B2B and mm-hmm. then having a nurturing program in the back. And so, you know, planning is going to be just 
very, very different. The types of content writers you're going to need, right, for B2C, you might be able to get away with somebody who's a strong copywriter, who's a more of a generalist, whereas with B2B, you probably need to find somebody who's really articulate in your space particularly. Um, so I think those are the two big things, just like industry-wide. Um, and people will be like, oh, well, I want to get sales for B2C as well, but there's so much more you can do from B2C, like I said, retargeting pixel drops and things like that, that you can lead those people down a funnel without a hard action, where B2B, you need a hard action of some kind. Yeah, agrees. Uh, those would be the big things, I think, is, you know, industry, like, not industry size, but company size. I see a lot of people make mistakes. Um, and then the B2B side specifically, I see people make mistakes where they try to approach things that would work for a consumer-based company that will not work for a B2B. Uh, and then, really, the channel issues come up there as well, where I'll see B2B guys be like, you know, we really need to be active in social. I'll be like, what's the point of you being on Instagram? You know what <laughs> I know, I know. Let's hone that in. Yeah, LinkedIn's a great place for you, right? So um, that's still still stuff we're seeing today. Yeah, I agree. Well, really great stuff. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining me on Marketing Nerds. Yes, it was great talking to you again. You're amazing. Oh, well, so are you. Just don't email me for roundups all the time, and we can Wait, keep the love going. The other way around. You don't email <laughs> me for roundups. <laughs> All right, again, this is Kelsey Jones and Dave Snyder, CEO of Copy Press. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com. SEJ Summit 2016 is coming to Santa Monica, Chicago, and New York City. With a focus on actionable marketing for SEOs by SEOs, SEJ Summit is a can't-miss event. Get $50 off your ticket now by using the code SEJNERD. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com slash SEJSummit2016.